What's up, guys? What's happening? Welcome into your Friday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I am your host, Jake Burns. Have our usual Friday guest, John Colosimo, coming up in a minute. Before we get to John's uh, introduction here, I want to talk to you guys about, as usual, what we have up on the website, which I think we have some great things. Our own Cody Sook put out an analytics piece looking at the Browns' defensive depth chart, giving it a grade right now at every position so you can get a good feel for where we sit on May 19th, what everything looks like. Uh, Corey Kennan did a great job on the David Bell film room so you can get a great feel for what David Bell does well what he does poorly and get some clips that go along with that to sort of magnify all of the takes that we have about David Bell as a prospect so go check that out and then Fred Greetham kicked off his expectations for positions in 2022 he's looking at quarterback and all of the decisions and the expectations which are lofty we're going to talk about in a moment are pretty lofty for the position and, and justifiably so. So check those things out. We had last night, the OBR weekly Wednesday night. You can go back and check that out as well. We will start doing some Thursday Twitch content next week. So keep your eye out for that. If you're into some Thursday Browns content in the evening, but that's about it for what's going on at the OBR. As for the Cleveland Browns, the only big news that came out today in terms of team announcements, you know that the Browns went to the Bahamas together. The offense as a, as a team bonding session, and uh, A.J. Green had to shout out that Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett need to come together to take the defense somewhere. But the Browns loaded up. They've gone to the Bahamas for their offense. I think there are 30, 30 seats on that plane, and most of them were filled. I think 28 of those, as far as I heard from Brad Stainbrook. They are pretty filled, and you know, hopefully that goes well for all of them down there. The other piece of information is who they just claimed, Reggie Robinson the second from uh, the Houston that they just claimed defensive back corner. He failed his physical, so he did not end up coming onto the Cleveland roster. So another roster spot opens up, putting them back down to, I believe, 87. No, back down to 88 because they made a signing yesterday of another defensive back. That was, uh, let me remind myself, Parnell Motley was the name of the DB they brought in yesterday. So back down to 88. So we'll keep you apprised any of those moves. We welcome in John Colosimo now. John and I have to still catch up on a lot of different things. I had John watch the She-Hulk trailer before we come together here because if you listen to last week's episode we illuminated some of our marvel feelings here that we're pretty nervous about where this is going and their ability to hit i I, listen let's say let me say this i think i i do a lot of listening john to um some movie podcasts uh, particularly the rewatchables and they talk about apex mountain i think it's a fun theory has marvel like reached the peak and now we're just on this downhill slide so that's that's my first question. Now, is are we ever going to see a peak like we saw with the Infinity War? I don't I don't think so. It doesn't mean stuff still can't be good slash fun and enjoyable, but I think I'm having a hard time seeing them get to that level again. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I think it, that's just tough to even ask out of any kind of franchise. I mean, you know, the way that they they wove that story together over what was it like a close to a decade? Um, I you know, and peaked and it was a really good story with a a pretty satisfying outcome. Pretty hard to ask for, um, for them to reach that. I think they could spike some good movies here and there, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's been a while since I looked at the, uh, the full map, um, just to kind of like, uh, really kind of see what uh because you know they've got these phases mapped out um but you know you got the new thor and 
I don't know about that. Uh, I just, I, uh, I mean, the world be funny and I don't really expect anything more than something that's entertaining. And I think that's, that's doable, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't see this build up to, to any other great story. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm willing to, to be wrong about that, but they've certainly had um, several stinkers in a row, you know, pretty much after, uh, I mean, they, you know, the Spider-Mans were, were excellent. Um, so that was a nice little, you know, kind of offshoot. So, which I like Spider-Man like, like you did, but yeah. I would kind of argue that that Spider-Man while pretty good was rooted in a lot of nostalgia. That's kind of what made it special, you know, like true. Yeah, for the, sure. The, nostal- and the, right, exactly. the nostalgia of it. So, and, and you still had like the kind of, you know, death rattle of, you know, the, the Avengers timeline in there as well that helped yeah. it out a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So you had that death rattle in the beginning. Um, well, you had him woven into the story in the beginning, then you had the death rattle, then you had an, an all timer of, uh, nostalgia and a excellence multiverse movie. So, yeah. um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what kind of an arc you're going to be able to build similar to that. Like there's nobody, I don't even know if they, they're doing a, a second Eternals. I don't know anybody that's excited for that. I have no idea what you're going to get out of more Guardians movies. Um, you know, so I don't know. I don't know either, man. I don't know either. It's it's finding those characters that, and I like I said with 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 She Hulk and some of these mo- these TV shows. I get that they're geared more toward the comic book readers, and but the thing is, is they've been able to go so far beyond the comic readers to get people like I think my wife and myself are a pretty good example of this committed, devoted to this, haven't read a single comic book, but loved everything about the Marvel universe. Now it's kind of eh, pushing, it's pushing away. We, the shows like in Hawkeye was fine for the most part. We didn't finish that. We didn't finish yeah. moon Knight, even yeah. though I know you told me I need to finish moon Knight, Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, moon Knight was pretty weird you know like i've never heard of them and i you know i've you know i read i i've I've said it before you know i was kind of like a half in type comic book guy um the i had no idea i'd never heard of any kind of moon knight um you know even the that actor has a a really annoying look for some reason like where his eyelids end up uh related to his eyes really annoys me (laughs) i don't know like oscar isaac uh, I, I, he, it's just a weird look. I mean, you know, he was in Annihilation. That was good. And obviously like Ex Machina, um, he was, he's been in yeah. some good ones. I, I like him a oh, lot, yeah. but the, so, it's, it's been tough, but you're I saying think, this thing finishes well. Oh man. I like, I was shocked. I, I was okay. shocked by the last, you know, probably episode and a half last two episodes. Like it finishes pretty darn strong. Um, I was, it turned the whole thing around as far as like how I viewed it. I thought it was pretty interesting he he's just he just does a fantastic job um and it, it makes for a pretty interesting character i don't know you know going forward with it whatever but uh yeah i i really got turned around on the last two episodes for that one well that's the thing to me is even the ones i haven't liked i've been into the previews of them i had a hard time with she hulk man i have not really been very cringy at many previews and i just have listen you had me in stitches off air when I had you watch this thing and I your first reaction was 
I have a hard time seeing a positive outcome for that show. <laughs> yes. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't. Yeah. I, I had a, you know, I was a little, almost a little breathless in the wrong way on that. Um, I just, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like what to even say to that. Um, yeah. I don't know who that's geared toward. I, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine like how that, like I said, like you got uh, a couple of good, um, actors in that, uh, but good lord, they are gonna have to blow the doors. And I don't even see how they can, you know, with like what they're highlighting in that, what they're highlighting in that, like her dating life, and uh, it's just like I don't, you know, I, I don't understand how that's gonna be any good at all. So it's kind of know. like the it's kind of like the Jets or the Texans. It could happen, but man, I don't see it happen. I don't. Long odds, don't my friend. Long odds. Long <laughs> odds. But we'll give them a chance. Anyway, now let's re- let's shift over to football, where um, there was some some spaces that go on today. And uh, P Chops, I don't think it's P Chops, it's P Chops, does the spaces on Brown's Twitter, and he hosted Ian Rappaport. So there were some nuggets about the Browns, obviously. And here's the four takeaways that he tweeted about, which I think are worth discussing. The first one's huge to me. David Njoku turned down $13.5 per year before the tag. That's a huge gamble. Like, that is... I get everybody sees Njoku as a prime trend upward candidate with Watson, but, like, that is a huge gamble. 13.5 mil for what he's produced in the NFL in five years is really, really good money. Like, to me, is really good money. Are you Are you as surprised as I am by that? Yeah, I'm pretty surprised by that. I mean, his agent probably sold him on, you know, uh, on the cap going way up. And I can understand mm-hmm. that. And yes, it's a devalued position. And some tight end could certainly cash in big time, you know, because the big jump, big jump comes this year, uh, this year, next year. You know, it's a um, big, big jump for the uh, for the salary cap as this new money kicks in. Uh, but you're gambling on yourself, David Njoku in this offense, um, you know, which I, you know, I'm a fan of this offense, but, uh, I haven't seen any, you know, I mean, I guess Kittle has put up a monster year over, uh, you know, in San Francisco. Um, but you're going to have to put up a Kittle type year to, to, to spike that offer. I, I don't know how you turn, I don't know what kind of, you know, years were on that and what kind of guaranteed money, all that kind of stuff could play into it. But um, yeah, that's um, what is it? It's got to be like, it's got, it's easily top five money, right? It's up there. I'm not going to spend my time looking it up, but it's up there. Yeah. And I yeah, get I to, I'm totally with you. There's a, there's a gamble there. There's a gamble. He's trying to say the cap's going to jump up. If I perform, like I think I'm going to perform and I think I'm going to get more opportunities. Maybe he's seen the Darren Fells outcome with Watson and, Ryan Griffin back in the day, like he's seen some things here. Maybe there's an offensive tweak or two coming that is going to give them more of those quick now RPO stuff for tight ends. We're sliding them to the flat and different things like that. So it still is a big risk. I think 13 and a half is just great. It's great money for him, but yeah. And and let's say this too, like if he, if he does smoke it out of the water and he is going to get 15 million a year or something like that, it's not a lot of upside on that, but yeah, highly unlikely that's with the Browns. You know, just off the top of my head, I had not heard that until just now that you said that. Um, the thought that pops in my head is if he if he gets the deal that he turned that one down for, 
uh, I got a hard time seeing the Browns being able to afford it. Yep. I'm with you. They, they won't. And like you said, the, the value play here of going from 13 to 16 or, or whatever, if it, even if it creeps higher, like, I don't, I guess he could have just an unbelievable season and it gets to something higher than that. But that, that's not, you know, if it was going from eight to 13 and a half or eight to 15, I, I get it, but that's, it's a big risk. We'll see what comes of it. There's two notes he left on Baker here wrapped it. Uh, uh, doubtful that Baker will be at mandatory minicamp. I think that should be pretty obvious. Uh, although Rappaport has been trying to say that there's like an, an outlet here where Baker plays for the Browns. If a suspension of significance happens, I still don't ever see that happening, but uh, he also said Seattle was never in on Baker. So that has been out there that they were. And he says that they were never in on Baker. So any of those catch your eye there yeah. or is that just move along? Um, I don't know. I don't, not sure that I believe the Seattle one, um, but uh, it's certainly possible. Um, I will say, you know, like from a, from a cold, like calculated zero feelings, uh, machine like standpoint, uh, it would be the best thing for the Browns and for Baker if he did play. But uh, Baker is the opposite just as a single player, all right, maybe Baker is not that guy. And he's on the very opposite of that spectrum. You, I cannot possibly see him being able to bury his stuff enough to swallow his pride and come do that. Um, second, you know, um, you have everybody else, you know, and the kind of team dynamics, uh, you know, if you, if you could throw out, if, if, if these were robots you were talking about, you know, um, then, you know, the best thing for Baker's come, you know, come ball out for a couple of weeks even if it was just four weeks and then, you know, somebody bites probably. Um, but, you know, that's just not who Baker is. And that is, you know, kind of ridiculous. And I think anybody who's really suggesting that either just um, is choosing to ignore everything that Baker is and, you know, what, uh, what the whole off season has been about. And anyway, so yeah, bull. His, his final point, I, I agree with you. I, I do find it hard to believe uh, some of that with Seattle, uh, that there was not any interest at all. It seems a little wild. But his last point was that the Browns and Watts, Watson will know the status before training camp. That is a pretty big development because there's some people thinking there would not be an outcome until next year. It seems like it's trending that direction, the final meetings this week. Now some of the deposition leaks, which are not flattering and – it just reeks to me of, uh, I, I I think that he could be a an example made, and and that's for you to be thinking fair or foul is your call. But I think of all people, similar to Trevor Bauer in baseball, this is an example made situation that the NFL could do. And uh, I, 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 the optics of Bauer, you can deny it all you want that it didn't, it won't play into it, but. It will. It just does. It's 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 public perception, and you got to care about public perception some. So, I think I'm setting the line at ten, John. I think I'm setting the line at ten. If it's lower than that, then that's that's I guess good, right? Like I don't know where where are you at on it. I I do think it would be good to get this out of the way, figure it out, get it out of the way now, and don't let it hang in limbo for a season. So I'm I'm into that. But I think the game number needs to be set high. And if you're expecting like ah he'll get four. I just I find that hard to believe, man. So, you know, for most of this process, I have said um, I could see a Roethlisberger-like 
um, deal where suspension comes out, it's 10, appeal down to six is, you know, kind of where um, I was thinking that this thing was headed. Um, but did you know, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you, but did you know this whole new deal with this where they hire an independent arbitrator, a judge who does this, and there's really no appeals process anymore? Like, oh, this is pretty no. much it. Like, there there have been... No, yeah, so they're, they're, Goodell doesn't have the final say. There's a district judge. I don't know, have her name in front of me, but she was agreed upon by the NFL and NFLPA, so there is no longer like a, a high number and you can appeal it down. It seems like the decision they make through this arbitrator is pretty much the decision that gets run with. So that does change it to me. So, I mean, I just I, – I, I think if you're expecting a low number, I think you're just being optimistic. I, I really – don't think that the NFL can just throw a low number out. They could, it could work out that way. And that's, that's great for the Cleveland football team here. Right. But that's, it feels to me like there's something serious coming down the pipeline, but again, well, I could be wrong. I'll on tell this, you what, that, that changes my viewpoint on it because, you know, I was going to say before you said that, that, you know, uh, the, you're going to have to show me the NFL actually making a stand like that, you know, before I'll believe it because, there's been plenty of opportunities before, um, plenty of black eyes publicly, and they've never really done it um, for this type of stuff. And um, so, uh, you know, the, the other idea that I saw bandied about was that they could kind of kick the can down the road and do a few games here and then uh, opt to hit them hard next year uh, when some of these um, legal issues end up, you know, iron out or um, mm -hmm. resolved is really the best, um, the uh, best term for that. I don't know if they would do that, but I will tell you just that, you know, if, if that's how this is going to go and there's not Goodell's just wing it type suspensions, which is what I feel like how he's handled this thing, um, in the past. And yeah, I mean, I could totally see 10 and, um, and if you did, uh, <laughs> don't, ex don't expect the Browns to make the playoffs. I tell you right yeah, now, to, you know, to me that would be a that would be a past season. Like I, I'd have a hard yeah, time. I don't, I don't eight. I don't think they make the playoffs. Six. I think they're going to have a hell of a hard time making it. That's like honestly, like I, I, how I feel about you know um, how tough it's, it is in the AFC, um, how tough the division is. Uh, I think six or more games, and um, you can just um, you can already put the chances down at like under 20 percent i yeah i have a hard time i have a hard time with it and then i'm not going to hold these people to the people in charge to to the season's outcomes based on that i i don't i don't think you can and some people will try to do that but i don't think you can so i'm talking about andrew and kevin and all of those in terms of the outcome of a 10 game jacoby Brissett run you just can't so um we'll shift off that we'll shift off watson i i, I just it's going to be interesting, and I feel less positive about the suspension duration than I did before. So we'll see. Shifting over to cap stuff here, which is which is fun and funny at the same time, John. Like, uh, if you've paid attention to Joe Banner in the last month, I guess now he's just been sternly against thing. Or not against. He's been pretty adamant that the Browns are doing this highly nefarious thing by giving Deshaun Watson this one million dollar base salary for his first year. 
ignoring, it feels like, I could be misunderstanding Joe, but it feels like he's ignoring all of the other examples the Browns do this and all the other league examples. And most recently, uh, Jair Alexander from Green Bay gets a grand new, uh, and I mean grand, new contract uh, to get to $21 million per year as a, as the highest paid corner in the league. And the first year salary is about a million dollars. And a lot of people went after Joe again to explain what he means by this and what the Browns did that was so much different than all these others. Um, and Joe just wouldn't explain it. I just had to say, Hey man, if you would just explain it to people in a way that is simple, we would probably shut up, but he won't. So I don't know, John, we're not going to waste our time on it, but it does shift us over to some cap discussion unless you want to just roast Joe Banner, which, I, you know what, if you, like I did it already, you know, about 10 days ago, I, I, you know, I went off on about like a four or five tweet quote tweet, um, roasting and posted a, everything. And I think a thousand other people have done it. He's just wrong. And, uh, every, everything from the team perspective, everything from the league perspective says it. And, uh, you know, uh, he's the only one still saying that, you know, that was a big, big story. Um, when it first came out, you know, the, um, I listened to PFF forecast. I enjoy that show. Those guys were, you know, considering it one of the worst parts of the deal. But like, you know, even since then, you know, everybody's died off of this thing except for Joe Banner. So, you know, is what it is. He's just he's just wrong. Not the first time. Won't admit it. He stares down the barrel of the gun, man. Stares it down. Um, okay, we'll shift over to. Uh, real quick over to Brad Spielberger's uh, retweet about cap health rankings. He does this. This is his first edition of the 2022 cap health rankings. I think he's going to do this every year. Brad does a ton of cap study from PFF where he analyzes, um, you know, player worth value. And he does, I think he does a pretty good job at this stuff. So, Oh yeah. He took, um, he took using weighted averages for each category and he took roster quality matters more in the first two caveats. He said there's five categories. One, active draft capital. How many rookie contract players? Actually, hold on. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back, and then we'll dig into this. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we'll go back into Brad's five categories here. So the first one for cap health rankings is active draft capital, how many rookie contract players you have, where they're selected. Number two is 2022 to 2024 effective cap space. Twenty, or Sorry, number three is total prorated money. So you want that money to be low. 
Number four is top 51 roster valuation. Like the Browns are number one is what he says for top 51 roster valuation. That's interesting. And then 2023 UFA valuation. So you, again, you want to be low. So the number that Cleveland comes in at, and I think this is largely due to draft, John, is number 28. Bengals are number one in cap health, which is interesting. I, I look at the Browns at 28, and I think they are they are paying out a lot of money. Um, so their cap space is definitely something they're walking a fine line on. A lot of void year stuff. They're obviously trying to be smart with it, with rollover situations too. And their draft capital, as we know, is low because they gave away those picks for Watson. So I'm not totally surprised by 28. I like that they have a GM who seems to have a really good plan, though, because the teams that are behind the Browns, Buccaneers, Packers, Eagles, Saints, teams at which I'm not surprised, kind of right out in front of them are Raiders, Rams, Cowboys. Those are teams that you pretty much view as playoff contenders. You know, a lot of teams that are in pretty good healthy spots, according to Brad, like Giants, Commanders, Jets, there's some wiggle room. I mean, there's good teams in the top 10 still, Ravens, Chargers, Patriots are in there. And I said the Bengals are number one, so it's a little all over the board, but I'm not all too worried about this. Should, should we be, should, should, you know, what do you think? No, um, I, I don't think you need to be worried about it necessarily. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of pressure on, on draft classes over the next couple of years. Um, without first round picks, you know, this is, I think when you're looking at this, uh, I think it kind of makes the case for why I thought it would probably be a good idea to trade Denzel Ward. If, um, because if, if they had flipped Ward for a couple of high picks, let's say a first and a second, uh, I don't think that's too unreasonable to say, um, you're, you're cutting out a, a huge chunk of cash off the cap. Um, you could assign a guy like Bradbury or, um, you know, there was a couple of decent options for them to do that. And you reload uh, on these next couple of years, take some pressure off uh, at the front office for draft picks, which, you know, it's uh, it's already a crapshoot. Um, it's, it's a lot harder without first round picks. Uh, you know, I, I bet you had they done that, the Browns would have been top 10 area in, in this, uh, in this chart. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, hitting on uh, right, you know, if uh, if that pick pans out, this will look a lot different next year. Um, so you need some of these guys that they pick, you know, DPJ comes and, and develops this year. Like if some of these younger guys and, and maybe a draft pick or two um, looks pretty promising um, next year, um, they'll they'll gain a lot of value that way. And I think they'll be looking a lot better on this chart. But I did, you know, we did talk about this this offseason. If you sign Denzel to that deal off the backs of, you know, these other deals that they had signed re- in the recent two, three years, you were giving up most of your flexibility moving forward, you know, with, uh, with Watson and, and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I would say that it's not, it's not too much of a worry. I mean, you've seen uh, people operate like you can operate like the Rams and, you know, trade, trade picks for proven talent. Um, those types of things you can do with lower picks. You don't need first round picks to do what they do. Um, for the most part. So but you got to be you know, good at drafting, like you said. Yes. Right. Yep. Yep. Get lucky. Yeah. That's the caveat. Get lucky enough. Be good at it. Right. So uh just wanted to share those rankings with you. Uh, Brad, I'm sure would expand upon that. If you ever hit him up, he would 
be willing to go into more detail about that. And obviously it's good to know his roster valuation of the top 51 with Cleveland coming in one is it's pretty nice. Um, next piece of, uh, I guess, metric data stuff that we're looking at this week is Tom Bliss, who is at Data with Bliss, put out an interesting chart using our analysis where we estimated value of travel, rest, and playing at home while accounting for team strength. Here are wins added via matchups and schedule advantages for each team in 2022. So this is an interesting list. He tweeted it out May 17th. I have thought really, you know, this is the only thing this doesn't include, John, is is injury luck. You know, you don't know how that's going to play out. It's such a huge factor. Yeah. People just don't want to admit it. Huge factor. But to me, you look at the Browns schedule and while you might have been disappointed about some of the primetime games, man, there are some elements of this thing to really, really like. They don't go on the road for any primetime game. That's awesome. That's huge. It does. It doesn't impact all of your travel. There's a lot of different things that get impacted there. They have an earlier bye week this year than last year. They were like week 13 bye week last year, John, that, that they talked about how that, oh, yeah. that situation was so bad that they didn't even want the bye week when it happened because they were just like at the end of the year. And we're like, we're in a groove now, whatever we could have used this bye week four weeks ago. And I think they're a week eight or nine by, I don't have the schedule in front of me. So significantly earlier by, and they don't go anywhere past central time zone. They go to Houston and that's the furthest to the left of the country they go. So, you know, they get some teams coming into Cleveland, the chargers, for example, that are going to be traveling those long distances and those hour changes. The Browns are 11th in this ranking. And they're actually the second highest behind the Colts, who are fifth. They're the second highest AFC team. The Ravens check in at 18. Bengals check in at 30. And Pittsburgh's all the way down at 32. So, although, again, you might not have liked some things, I'm a huge fan of the 1 o'clock games. The Browns got really lucky on some of these primetime situations. They don't travel to across the pond like several teams do this year. I actually really like this schedule, and I think there are some built-in advantages for them. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is an interesting chart, and I think uh, there's there's something to be gleaned off this. And, yeah, I think they're in a pretty good, uh, pretty good shape. Um, I will never want a uh, bye week that late. You know, if that's the case, you know, if you're, if you're even going to do that to teams, you know, just add a second bye week, you know. Um, you know, maybe go down to two preseason games, you know, you know, get a second bye week so people don't have that that issue or have that happen. It's just it's brutal on a team. So yeah, it's week nine and it's uh it sets up really nicely. So uh the Browns do not have an easy schedule, but you know, few teams in our division or in the AFC West do. Um so considering that that's where you're at, you're coming out pretty you know, coming out pretty nicely. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. It's, it's favorable. You know, I think it's favorable to be on. And I've said this too, you know, I don't, I don't mind the Browns hiding on one o'clock games. That's not a problem for me this year, based on the way the national media continues to uh, talk about them uh, the way they are. So not a big problem to me. I I just personally like the structure of one o'clock games too. The last big thing we want to hit on John is uh, this, this, we, we talked about it weeks ago, but the, the direction of what these wide receivers can look like, you know, this, they're clearly not going to bring anyone back. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't say clearly. They're not going to bring back guys that we thought they could Jarvis, for example, and they're not really showing any aggression to go get anybody else. 
So if they're going to sit with a group they have, kind of looking at where they could be with better quarterback play becomes interesting, right? So if you go back and look at the 2021 Brown stat line um, for, 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 you know, um, these guys and what they ended up performing, it's interesting. And, and, and a piece of data that Marcus uh, Moser put out, which was looking at 2021 highest big play percentage. So this is carries and targets. So he broke it down by looks is what he calls it. That's getting a target in your direction or getting a carry as a running back. Donovan Peoples-Jones had 58 looks and 12 big plays. That's a 20.7% number. Pretty high. That's highest in the NFL for what he charts here. Now, there are other ways to justify effectiveness as a wide receiver. Yards per route run, for example. I think largely Donovan Peoples-Jones is a pretty average wide receiver right now but for a sixth round wide receiver getting an average player who can do things vertically down the field and take the 58 looks and make 12 big plays those are again 20 plus yard plays can get 12 of those that's a pretty good value per target so i think that you like that that doesn't not every pick has to be a home run are they an effective player i think donovan people's jones an effective player last year john he went for um Let's try to find it. So he was second in targets. If I can get this to sort, uh, Jarvis had 87. Actually, he wasn't second in targets. He was behind Hooper, which is still laughable. He had 58 <laughs> targets, 34 catches, 597, three touchdowns. I think quarterback plays a little better. He's in the 750 range, five touchdowns or so. Um, I, that's why I think an 800 yard, six touchdown season, if you get 17 games of Deshaun Watson should be an expectation. What do you think there? Yeah. I mean, if you are starting quarterback, I, I have no problem with, um, uh, Donovan Peoples Jones as, as your guy on the outside there, um, getting plenty of targets. Uh, I, I do think he would have had a very good year. I've spent some time trying to talk people into this who, um, do not believe me, um, you know, but uh, watching your film breakdowns, we saw plenty of opportunities there where he just didn't get the, he didn't get these looks, you know, so he was already number one on this list. I think you would have just uh, padded his lead um, had he gotten, uh, you know, a appropriate amount of attention uh, last year. And I think, you know, I've got plenty of, you know, time watching, you know, really great quarterbacks, you know, make very, you know, make use out of weapons just like him. You know, they're not superstars, you know, but they earn them big contracts, you know, somewhere else maybe, um, that kind of stuff. You know, I watched Brad Favre do that for, you know, a ton of his career. A ton of guys owe massive contracts to, to Brad Favre. But, um, you know, so I think this is – you expect this kind of thing when you have a quarterback that you pay the kind of money they're going to pay Watson. So – uh, as long as he's the guy in there, you know, I think this is not going to look great under Jacoby Brissett if that's what we're, we're going to be looking at for an extended yeah, look. So, you know, things could could look pretty bad with 10 games of that. But, um, you know, with the with the full starters, uh, I think this receiving core is going to be just fine. And when you add in, you know, the running game, um, you add in that uh, – we're not going to have Jarvis taking up a bunch of targets that maybe should be going to tight ends in that space. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm not going to have a problem at all with this receiving core. And it's nice to see him on top of a list like this, kind of a little bit of vindication on um, on his ability. Yeah, if, if you consider 
if you consider Amari Cooper a thousand yard receiver, which I think we do, Jarvis had eighty seven targets, fifty two for five seventy. I think you give Amari Cooper one hundred and ten targets, he's going to push a thousand yards. He's not bad it. on this list either, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he's not bad at all. So you start getting more out of him. That's a thousand yards. You could get eight hundred from Donovan Peoples Jones. You talk about David Bell. You'd like him to come in and have a rookie season pretty similar to Donovan, where he gets about 35, 40 catches, 600 yards. That's a that's a net positive, obviously. And Joku last year goes for 36 catches, 475, four touchdowns. I mean, can he get to 80 targets? Can he get to 60, 65 catches? That probably yields 700 to 800 yards receiving. So you can see the uptick if this becomes a competent passing game. Anthony Schwartz, I'll give you a guess. How many receptions did Anthony Schwartz have last year, John? Uh, I'm just going to guess here. Um, 12? Yeah, 10. Yeah, 10 for 135 and a touchdown. So, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, can you can you get 25, 30 out of him? That's That's the question, right? So I think there's way more potential in this wide receiver outcome and tight end outcome. And Harrison Bryant went 21 for 233 and three touchdowns. Can he get up to 40 targets? Can he get 25, 30 catches? I don't see why not. It's going to be a more effective passing game. I mean, again, last year the Browns starting quarterback for threw for barely over 3,000 yards. You'd like to think you can get to 4,000 or more next year. You have to hope for that. So, and again, that's granted you get 17 games from your, your you know, quarterback you traded for but that's it's it's all there I see where the uptick can happen and I and I do feel a little better than some do I do wish they had a more traditional slot I see where they like Bell for some of those things and Cooper can do that that role too but those two tight ends are fine and I do think they like their guys in house here more than we have presumed they did all along yeah I agree you know they just um that that just seems to be the case and you know, I'm, I hope they're right. Uh, I, I think that they're more right than a lot of people think. I mean, just, you know, you, you really have to factor in the fact that we had really below average quarterback play last year. Like, yeah. stop thinking about the names. You know, the, the the quarterback play was really bad. And if you... On top of you, two Keenum games, John. Two Keenum games yeah. and a Nick Mullins game. So... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I didn't think people, too. you know, really quite grasping the the um, the kind of huge gap that there would be if, say, you know, Watson played uh, the better part of the year. You'd be talking about just a massive gap in like in war and EPA per play, like any way you want to slice it, just a huge, huge difference. And you know, like I said, there's just a bunch of taint on the on that season based on the quarterback play. Agreed. We'll see. I don't forecast them making a move at wide receiver. I think they've played their hand. They've brought in the UDFAs they've wanted. They've brought in some fringe guys that they've liked that could be camp surprises. Jakeem Grant can get some snaps too. There's a lot of moving parts there that I, I think they're settled on that group. And, you know, with Jarvis kept turning down the Browns, Kept turning them down. It sounds like he wanted to play the free agent market. Then the Browns kind of said, okay, well, we're just going to draft David Bell, and we're good. We'll move on. And Jarvis gets a $3 million contract. So it is, uh, it's pretty set to me. I think the additions happen on the defensive line, if, if at all. So that's where I'm at with it. John, good episode, man. Ton of good topics here. 
as usual, guys, on this podcast, when we tweet it out, if you got some follow-up questions, follow up in that uh, in that tweet, and we'll we'll uh, hook up with some uh, answers to those questions if you have any. John, appreciate you, bro. Hey, man, always a good time. Uh, go catch the rest of that moon night, all right? <laughs> all right, you got my word. We'll t- well, I'll give you my thoughts next weekend. Or sorry, next Friday on on Moon Night for sure. I got to finish it. Now that you t- now that you said it that way, you know the wife and I were like kind of tired. We're just gonna go to bed, and and we saw twenty minutes left in that. I think it's the second to last episode. They're out kind of yeah. on the ship trying to save the souls or whatever, something like that. So we'll try to find a way to get to it. This was a great episode. Thanks to John for showing up, hanging out with me, and chatting about the Browns and Marvel and all that stuff we talk about on this pod. A great week of episodes, and we got some fun weekend stuff coming up too. Jared Mueller's coming up over the weekend, and we have a uh, finally recorded this morning some time with uh, with an LSU guest who talked about a bevy of different things. Cade York, Glenn, Glenn, uh, Glenn Logan, and some of the guys currently on the roster is a really good, really good bit. So we'll have that. And we might have an interview tomorrow with a current Browns drafted player in this class. So keep your eye out for that. Should be a fun weekend of episodes. Check those out. Continue to check out the OBR, which we have some great weekend stuff coming too. And I'll be gone all weekend kind of pre-recording some things. But if something breaks over the weekend, suspensions happen, or any other big news, I will check in on Monday with that for you guys. So, uh, yeah, thanks for checking out today's Friday episode. Thanks to John. Thanks to you for continuing to support the OBR. Have a great Friday. And go Browns. Go Browns.